Any news today, Tito, at all? (laughs) (laughs) Dang, Rosie. (laughs) That's your job. (laughs) This is the Rosie Report. The next round's on Rosie, and we'll read his credit card number here in just a moment. Regular season roundup. Catch it, Rosie! Nicely done, Rosebud. Now, here's Jim Rosenhouse. The next delivery... Swing and a miss. Struck him out with a curveball down and in. McKenzie with a career-high 11 strikeouts. He loses perfection, but that takes nothing away from a masterpiece. And that's how the day ended for Tristan McKenzie. What an afternoon in Detroit for the young right-hander. Perfection for seven and two-thirds innings. That is when Harold Castro of the Tigers lined a base hit to right and ended up breaking up the perfect game. And that strikeout you just heard spelled the end of the day for McKenzie as he worked the eight strong innings, allowing just the one hit with a career-best 11 strikeouts. But what a day it was for McKenzie, and that's how we get started on episode number 69 of the Rosie Report, regular season roundup. Great to have you with us, Jim Rosenhouse. Along with you recapping the weekend, a little bit later on in our show, we will hear from McKenzie, his post-game comments, as well as Indians general manager Mike Chernoff, who we had a chance to visit with over the weekend. But first, we check in with Indians acting manager DeMarlo Hale after the Indians took two out of three from the Tigers over the weekend. And, of course, the big highlight, Sunday's outstanding effort by McKenzie. You know what? It it got to a point about the um, fifth inning. You look up, um, and I'm like, okay. And... It was kind of a quiet day over there on the bench with me because uh, we got those runs early. And um, then the six came, and it's like he's got a chance because I, I thought he was um, throwing the ball very well. Um, and really, I thought he pitched the ball um, very well. Um, when, I, when I look at his 10Ks, you know, five on his fastball, four on his curveball, you know, one on his slider. Uh, he was first pitch strike, uh, getting ahead, you know, I think he only had like two counts where he got to three, two, you know, when you, you start seeing that and looking at that and saying, wow, you know, he's got a chance. So I was going to give him that chance because it was a perfect game. Um, I'm, I'm sorry that he didn't get it done, but what effort. What does it say about him with just the year he's had bouncing back and forth and losing confidence and gaining confidence all in one year? Well, I mean, it shows that he's working on his craft for one. Um, He's developing uh, uh, to be a consistent major league pitcher. You know, he's added some things to his repertoire, I think, that has been very beneficial, particularly his breaking ball. Um, So, it's just the growth and development of, of, of um, becoming a um, established uh, major league pitcher. And, you know, he's on his way. Hitting wise, we talked to you like yesterday about um, not being able to drive, getting guys in scoring position, but not being able to drive them in. Yeah. Then today, it seems like the first couple of innings, they drove them all in. Is this just baseball being baseball? Yeah, part of that. And, and I think that, you know, when guys get back up in that situation, you hope that they kind of 
you know, learn and, and, and try to relax and, and, and try to see the situation that it is. You know, when you, when you think about it, we drove in a lot of runs via base hits and doubles. You know, Hosey, you know, he had the two-run homer, but, um, you know, a mad triple. Uh, it was a straw, I think, a line drive uh, left side. So, um, you know, we've done some things where we put the bat on the ball and, and moved it around. You know, it wasn't just the the, the home run. So um, I, I think when you look at that, you know, those guys went up there with, with a pretty good thought in mind and, and the effort matched the situation. And, you know, we had those big in and six and five runs. Marlo, what, why was he, I think he only had 65 pitches at the end of the fifth or sixth inning. What, what made him so efficient? you know, compared to maybe past, past starts? He was in the zone. I mean, his first pitch strike, I, I, I would think, was pretty high. Um, he was ahead of hitters. He had them um, swinging, and, you know, he was mixing his pitches. Like I said earlier, for him to get those um, – four punch outs on his curveball um, and one on his slider and the five on his fastball, you know, he, he kind of was ahead of them. I think him and Hedgy, um, catcher Austin, they just was kind of ahead of the hitters in, in thought. So, um, and he pounded the zone both in and out. Dude, the pitch count, was, I mean, to me, the pitch count didn't get concerning in, into the, um, uh, after the seventh inning, going out for the eighth, that's when it. I I, I kind of looked up a couple of times and said, "Okay, you know he's okay, but I, I got to keep an eye on it." You know, we talked. Go ahead, go ahead, Moinsey. Tomorrow, were people staying away from him, or what? What was anybody talking to him the later got into the game in the actually, dugout? <laughs> actually, the interesting part. Um, and then this is just um, Tristan and his, his, you know, his makeup and character. He was still cheering for the hitters. You know, he, he didn't change much. You know, he was still cheering for the hitters, you know, have good at bats, get hits. Uh, he walked around. Basically, he stayed true to, you know, whether it was a 4-3 game or 11 nothing game. I, I heard chatter in the dugout. Um, you know, some of the coaches, we kind of looked at each other and it was kind of quiet thoughts, like, you know, there's a chance. So, I mean, this is the one game I didn't say a whole lot, sit down. <laughs> so <laughs> I thank you, Tristan. That's Indians acting manager, DeMarlo Hale. And after the game, McKenzie talked about his outstanding effort. Uh, I felt like as, as the game progressed, uh, I'd say I settled in a little bit. Uh, I felt like the game plan we had coming into the game in terms of just attacking hitters and, and going after these guys and just we we played we played Detroit a lot this year and we're just knowing their lineup and, and knowing how we want to go about it uh, and just as the game went on just sticking to it. Tristan Harold Castro had hit two flyouts to left field against you earlier in the game and he ends up stroking it to right field for the single that 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 that, that ended the dream. Talk about how you were approaching him pitching. Maybe he was looking to go the other way and. Talk, talk about how you were approaching him. Honestly, I don't remember much from the sequencing tonight. Okay. Uh, I felt like I was almost solely locked in on, on whatever pitch I saw or whatever the current pitch was. 
Okay. Uh, it was more just, I think he beat me. I think I made a good pitch and I think he beat me. What did you say to yourself when it, when, when, when you realized that he had, he had gotten the hit? I should have made a better pitch, but it is what it is. What, what was the pitch? It was a fastball inside. I felt like, I felt like it was the right pitch call. I just felt like I didn't, I could have got it past him. Okay. So you didn't have enough on it. Is, is that what you're saying? Or? Yeah. Oh, okay. Tristan, I know you've had, you've had outings this year where you didn't maybe have the best command or you didn't have the best mindset in attacking hitters. So when you do have a start like this and you're dictating the action and you're in control, just how much of a difference is that mentally from where you, some of the places you've been this season? Uh, I feel like in, in games like today, it takes a lot of the stress off me personally because I feel like I'm not out there pitching for me. I was more just out there attacking guys, sticking to the game plan, and just letting the guys behind me work. I wasn't focused on trying to strike guys out. I wasn't focused on trying to blow the ball to five guys. It was more just execute the current pitch. Was there a point during the start that you became maybe a little more aware of just what was going on? The third inning. I didn't give up. As soon as I don't give up hits through like two innings, I'm like, oh, I got a perfect game. I got a no hitter, whatever it is. Uh, but I mean, it didn't it didn't play into how I was attacking guys or play into how I was pitching. It was more just like a thought. And if it happens, it happens. Can, can so, you talk about the seventh inning? It seemed like you were really pumped up. They they just sung the, the uh, take me out to the ball game and God bless America. And you so he's getting a little bit of a, a time thing for you to deal with there. And, and then you strike out the side, including Miggy as the third batter. Talk about what you were feeling that inning. Uh, I was very impressed by the God Bless America scene. Uh, I felt like it really locked me in. And then I, it was more just like we're heading into the end of the game and I'm facing the top of the lineup and Robson's song came on and I really liked it and I kind of started grooving. And then <laughs> kind of going throughout the inning, it was more just like the crowd got into it when Miggy got up and I ended up getting the strikeout. And there was just so much energy in, in just the stadium itself. It kind of just – let itself out in that moment when you're facing Miggy in the seventh he's sitting on 499 um as you said the the crowd energy kind of picks up what's going through your your mind right then uh as a staff we had uh collectively agreed that we were not going to give a 500 we're going to go after Miggy we're going to get him out we're going to we're going to definitely challenge him and I felt like in that moment it wasn't anything about the crowd or or just like not letting him hit a home run. It was more just, let's execute pitches and let's get him out. We've been doing it the whole series. What's the, it's been, it hasn't been long, but what's the most interesting thing a teammate, coach, somebody has told you since, since, since you came off the mound? Uh, I mean, that Felix Hernandez stat was very crazy. The fact that uh, nine years to the day, he, he threw the last perfect game. And I mean, he told me that after the game, uh, after I had lost it, Ernie, Ernie Clement told me after I had lost it. And I was just like, that would have been some very, some very cool baseball history right there. Yeah. Tristan, you, so you're not superstitious. You were kind of sitting by yourself and uh, you're just uh, kind of doing your own thing. I mean, doing what you usually do. between say, innings. Say, yeah. I was going to say, I don't think anything changed between this start and my last start. Uh, usually after, after I get done with an inning, regardless of if it was a good inning or a bad inning, I try and like go and talk to all my teammates or at least dap them up and let them know they're like, I'm here for them and they're here for me. Uh, and then go sit by myself. Uh, just kind of go after guys. Have you ever had anything like this in high school, college, nothing? Or not? Uh, maybe in high school, but I, I don't even remember. It was the most pitches you've ever thrown and the, the most innings you ever completed. What were you feeling like out there? And, and, and did you feel like, you know, you could go the full nine? If I had one word to like sum up the outing on a whole, it'd be comfortable. 
Uh, I felt like I was out there kind of just hitting my stride, hitting my groove and not necessarily worried about too much outside of just executing pitches. And I felt strong all the way through. Uh, felt like I could have kept going, honestly. If they wanted me to come back out for the ninth, I would have. What does that mean for this game mean for your future? You've had several good outings leading up to this one. Uh, I feel like baseball is a game of just building on the little things, your failures, your successes, and just making sure that you take them all into account and use it to as your experience and moving into moving forward. How was the communication with uh, Hedges and you? We were. I felt like we were on the same page the whole game. Uh, when I shook, it was more because I wanted to throw a specific pitch, but outside of that, we stuck to the game plan, and I felt like it worked in the show. I don't want to say one start means more than it is, but like if you think back to two months ago, I think that was a start where you didn't get out of the first inning. If I would have told you then, like you're going to flirt with a perfect game and set a career high in strikeouts and, and in mid-August, I mean, just what would what would you have said to that? I would have been very happy, and I would have felt that all the work that I was putting in then is kind of playing off. And I feel like there's still a lot more work to be put in. Boy, what a turnaround for that young man after some early season struggles with command and allowing home runs and uh, just in general trying to figure out how to be consistent at the major league level. And it's starting to come as yesterday, obviously a tremendous performance, but he has been throwing the ball well for a while now and, and very consistently as well. So great sign in terms of young pitching. And that's one of the subjects we talked about with Indians general manager Mike Chernoff, who's on the trip with the ball club. And we asked him why it's important to have that front office presence this late in the season with a young team. Rosie, don't tell my wife this, but it's because we have a five-month-old at home and I need some sleep. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. It, this is, uh, you know, once we got past the trade deadline, there were a lot of things going on with our team, right? Tito um, stepping away for his health reasons um, and just really a focus on creating opportunity and developing our young players. So this felt like a good time to spend a lot of time with the staff and some of our young players um, and just help support them. I mean, that's what we're here for on all these trips, to help support them, have conversations with them, uh, and make sure that we're here for anything that might come up. Are you still learning about some of the, especially DeMarlo Hale, new to the staff, and, and then some of the younger players? No doubt about it. I mean, look, this is, uh, it's, a, it's a huge opportunity for a lot of those young players, um, and we want to make sure that it's, they don't feel that added pressure, right? It's not a pressure to perform necessarily as much as to continue their progress. And I think the performance will be a result of that progress. We saw it with young teams that we've had in the past, that transition in 2015 when we were, we didn't know we were going to be as good as we were in 2016, but we had a lot of young guys that were sort of starting to get their feet underneath them at the big league level. You can start to see some signs of that with a really young team. We're, we're like over a year younger than the next youngest team. Um, so we just want to be here to support them and make sure that they remain focused on the right things. You mentioned Terry Francona. Can you give us any update on how he's doing? I know he's had one surgery with another to come, but how's he doing? He he sounds like a new man. I mean, I was just texting with him last night. Have talked to him a lot since the surgery, um, and I think he just it was he was dealing with a lot physically. You, everyone could see it with the boot, but it was really affecting his hip too. And I think it's sort of amazing he got as deep into the season as he did, and it just tells you how tough he is. Getting this hip surgery um, was really helpful for him, and he just sounds like he has a whole new uh, energy level right now, which has been great to see. Would we see him at the ballpark on the next homestand or two? I hope so. I think he's really hoping to get in there. Um, you know, he has to see where he is in his rehab status with the hip, but I think he's hoping for it, and we're obviously dying to see him. Yeah. Stay tuned. We'll have more with Mike Chernoff after this short break. 
Welcome back to the Union Home Mortgage Indians warm-up show. Mike Chern uh, Chernoff joining us, Tribe General Manager. And, uh, Mike, you look at pitching, and I think everybody, especially now, last two months of the season, coming off of last year's shortened season, trying to figure out starting pitching based on what they have. We see some teams going to a six-man rotation, others doing things differently. And really, in essence, the Indians have, have four starting pitchers and then try and figure out that fifth day. Uh, what's happening with, with Tribe starting pitching, and why have you arrived at this particular uh, way to go about it at this time? When you ask the question, what's happening with Tribe starting pitching, it has, it's been a tough year in a lot of ways. I mean, we felt so strongly about the rotation that we had at the start of the year, and then all of the injuries piled up at the same time. And we had to get through a really tough stretch with some young guys. Um, so now as we're heading you know, into the later part of the season, we've seen some of those guys really take advantage of the opportunity and start to get more comfortable at the big league level. And we're trying to make sure that we're managing their workload, but also giving them that opportunity. Where we are right now is we feel like we have a great opportunity for four of those guys to kind of be legitimate starting pitchers or whatever you'd want to call it. And that creates some opportunity for what I'd call maybe a bullpen day or just having guys not stretched out quite as long or putting as much of the sort of five-inning load on them for day five. Um, and, you know, we feel like we have a bullpen with enough guys that can give length where it makes sense to do that. We're also hopefully on the cusp of potentially getting some of our more veteran guys like Aaron Savali back. Um, so we're hopeful that with a few off days coming up and then potentially Aaron coming back, we could be in a better spot with all five soon. We will close veering completely off topic. Last Saturday was National Baseball Card Day, and, and not that this was how you gained the uh, the enthusiasm and, and the willingness to want to do the current job that you're in when you were six or ten years old, somewhere in that range. But uh, tell us about baseball cards and, and as you look back on it, how maybe this was the start of something. Yeah, I was a big collector, probably about the ages of between six and ten. I remember getting, when I was six years old, the 1987 top set. That was like the first one I really remembered. Um, and I used to take the set, so I would take those sets or take individual packs that I got, put them in the notebooks with the baseball card holders, um, I didn't know it at the time, but I was like trying to put who I thought was the best player on each team at the front of it and like the other guys at the back of it. I should go back and look at how I, how I prepped those out and see how I did. And then I'd move the teams up or down in the standings. So I'd do it by team, who I thought was the best player on each team, and then move it around the standings. Little did I know that as a general manager, that's a lot of my job these days. So interesting. Yeah, maybe that was the precursor to, to the GM job. So that big whiteboard in your office, that's where it started? That's right. I should just break out the baseball cards. I should do it with baseball cards again. Yeah. Good stuff, Mike. Thanks for coming by. Of course, Rosie. Thanks. That's Indians general manager, Mike Chernoff, and that's going to do it for episode number 69. We'll do the number game late in our podcast today. I know a lot of folks like to... Uh, match up the episode number with a uniform number and right now to just looking back on it can only find one number 69 in Cleveland Indians history Louis Medina whose name came up the other day when Ernie Clement hit two home runs his first two in the major leagues and Medina is one of the others who's done that in Indians history only nine have done it and uh, he was able to uh, do it back in the early 90s when he was a part of the ball club for a little while. So that's uh, your uniform number update to go along with our episode number 69, and that's going to do it for this edition of the Rosie Report regular season roundup. So glad you could join us. As always, thanks to Bart Swain, Courtberry Tripp, Austin Contrulis for all of their help. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, as always, for downloading and listening to the Rosie Report. This has been the Rosie Report. 